Hi there, you're listening to the Venture Builder Map podcast. My name is Andries DeVos. I'm the co-founder of Slash, a Singapore-based venture builder. Every week I come together with brilliant minds to talk about how venture building is changing the way startups are incubated and corporate innovation is evolving. We want to have someone who has already tried and built their own venture, failed or are successful. It's the secondary thing. That's why it's called entrepreneur in residence. We go to the corporates, first of all, and we understand what challenges do they have. We don't want only strategy. We want doers. My guest today is Matas Danielevicius, co-founder of WhatNot Innovation Studio, a venture studio focused on building scalable and investable corporate ventures that are originated from Thailand. WhatNot brings in experienced teams and founders to create and operate corporate ventures and provide support services like legal, HR, and fundraising. In this episode, we will discuss methodologies to de-risk the creation of a corporate venture, the role of entrepreneurs in residence, corporate sponsorship criteria, and much more. If I think of the venture building process, I see it as a methodology and a capability to de-risk the creation of a new venture, which is, mm-hmm. by definition, a very risky process. If you would have to uh, extract you know, the, the key uh, steps you undertake to de-risk a venture, what would this be? So that really depends from the market that you're in. Local startups are not capable to produce investable solutions. So there is not enough startups to reach Series A and up. So a lot of local corporates, uh, their own CDC funds. It happened like three, two years ago. So this ecosystem is just being shaped right now. So local corporates are forming CDC funds. They're looking uh, ways to invest their money, but there's nothing coming out of this ecosystem. So they tend to go outside of the Thailand. So they go to invest in Silicon Valley or in China or in other markets. But once they go to Silicon Valley, they're just some corporate from thailand so their networks their strengths in there are very limited uh so our proposition is this like why won't we use some of those funds and exactly to build ventures in less risky way it would be managed by professional team which we uh, believe we are you know what we have experience in building the process we have our own methodologies and we have the in-house team that helps to support on every single step uh, and also rely on professional entrepreneurs who have proven record of building businesses before rather than on the random startup team which usually in here is a group of friends so if working with startups which has formed and shaped by the group of friends we tend to see that later on in the development there are some weaker links in the chain which are not capable to produce but they're still having a big chunk of equity in the company and it just drags it down. So that's very common scenario that startup teams are being formed uh, more in a sense of group of friends rather than professionals selecting uh, support. And the teams are not balanced. You know, So we see that there could be three marketing professionals or three engineer guys doing a startup, which they have deep knowledge into certain area but they have no knowledge of business development of brand value of marketing strategies and things like that what we say we help to decluster that whole mess and let's say we go to the corporates first of all and we understand what challenges do they have and if there is any solution in the market that could help them to solve it already or there is a space there is a gap to actually build something outside of our structure 
that would help to solve their issue, but also would be able to solve the similar issues for other corporates in the region. So we offer uh, workshops and, and, and just uh, general conversations, you know, where we bring people uh, in certain industries to share their opinion, to investigate, and in order for us to see if there's actually something that we can help with. And then we come back with a plan, with an action plan, what we offer them to do and this is you know this is quite tricky part because there's no set model so we have to improvise each corporate have different challenges each corporate has different ways they want to work with some of them want all in solution that we execute everything and they just sponsor the, the venture some of them want to introduce their own entrepreneurs so it means we have to work with their own in-house teams and rely on our entrepreneurs and residents to coach them and lead the uh, that team. So this also involves selection process. You know, in some cases, we're able to build the teams from scratch. But to be fair, we rely a lot on entrepreneurs and residents in this stage. So once we sign the contract with the corporation, and we know the challenges that we're going to work on, uh, that's the, the most important bit is to find the right person to lead the project. So give us a flavor of like of like how industrialized this is already. So how many how many have you done approximately like in terms of such programs with corporates? What does it typically take? How how big of a team is deployed against this? Uh, what are the economics against this? It depends from from of course from from each corporate uh, individually. But as we started with whatnot uh, a little bit more than two years ago, we already had. Uh, five large corporations that we did innovation and venture building in, in a different level. Currently, we have two real estate companies who have different challenges and scaling the project. So we started with one real estate company in here uh, with three venture building projects. Each of these projects had their own budget and the budgets are being decided depending on the size of the issue and the market opportunity. So one large corporation can actually scale up to 10 even more venture building projects. Each of them have their own budgets and limitations. Each of them have their own opportunities, but um, we usually provide predictions before we start. So we, we calculate uh, the cost of the project. We calculate management costs from whatnot side. We calculate entrepreneur and residence costs. We calculate facilitations because we have our own offices and space to, to run these projects. So we invite corporate teams to stay here and, and stay with us in the ecosystem. Then we kind of need to pitch project by project. Ideally, what we would see is that would start one project could be launched from around $150,000. What we promote is that eventually entrepreneur would get up to 60% of the equity of that venture. But this is ideal scheme that we're looking into. Uh, we would love corporate to own 20 to 25% entrepreneur uh, around up to 60% and uh, support team, us and, uh, and other outside investments could be shared uh, with the rest. And do you have for the, for the corporate, do you have restrictions? Do you accept uh, any restrictions they impose on you on how this uh, new product or business can be commercialized? For example, you cannot sell to our competitor or you, uh, in a governance structure, you ensure this never happens? 
so we do get that uh, at this stage. Yes, we do get that. Ideal situation would be, of course, that we would love to work with open ventures. But as I said, this ecosystem is just being shaped right now. So we also have to be uh, diplomatic and negotiate for certain things. But we see that uh, once the corporate get the taste of it, they become more and more flexible for the next batches of, of ventures that they want to build. So at the beginning, um, if we're looking into local Thai corporations, uh, not international corporations in Thailand, but local Thai corporations, they're very conservative and usually it could be a family business. You know, so to deal with them, it is a challenge that we had to train ourselves for years to be able to negotiate and prove them things. And it still takes time. But we see that actually probably one of the reasons is uh, COVID as well they are forced to innovate. As we would see before 2020, 2018, 2019, uh, a lot of innovation was, was more like a theater. So they organize events, they organize incubators and accelerators, big award ceremonies, a lot of pitching competitions, a lot of media attention. But um, the scale of a startup is still uh, nothing to be compared with, as I've mentioned before, with Singapore or Malaysia. Understood. But now, because, because of the COVID, their core businesses are suffering. So they have to find the ways to solve the issues. They have to find the ways how to improve and stay competitive and actually stay in the market in general. And this touches uh, real estate companies that we are currently working with. So their core businesses are being uh, affected heavily. So they have to find the ways to, to change that. On the, on the 150K side, What's the deal after that 150K? Is the plan for the corporate to keep financing it or to find external finance to ex external funding? We would encourage to, to help to find uh, external funding as well. But some of them, they, they would rely on funding it themselves. Uh, so especially the ones that are more conservative and still push their own entrepreneurs. So they tend to want to keep more and more power in their hands. However, we would argue that, uh, you know, in order to make it really successful, we would negotiate and try to convince corporates that it has to be funded from outside as well. Do you have stage gates between the discovery the MVP, the company formation, like, so is this bite size when you sell it or is it in one bulk? We sell it as one bulk, but it's being tracked uh, bite size. So we go stages by stages, you know, and each stage we have drop and go options as well. So, you know, if we, we sell venture building project, we promise a certain uh, outcomes like MVP testing or market uh, product market fit. And we usually divide it into six steps. So we have market gap analysis, R&D, so where this, um, you know, development starts. Uh, then we have branding, marketing, route to the market, and business development stages. Each stage has its own structure and map, and certain taxes needs to be achieved. And each stage has uh, an option to drop or go. So where we evaluate with the corporate, does it make sense to continue? If you want to continue, our job is uh, to make sure that entrepreneur is being able to, to, to convince and to prove with data, to prove with uh, uh, consumers' feedback, you know, whichever stage they are, that this is a valid idea, that it makes sense, uh, and that there is enough market size, that there's a potential it would actually work. So a lot of research and, and competition analysis, and also, I would like to say, design thinking process, you know, so empathize, uh, define, ideate, prototype, test, and repeat. In, in many different levels. So each stage goes through that same process where we need to still 
sort the problem. We need to deal with uh, consumers, whoever it might be, B2B, B2C or B2G. It's already a challenge to get aligned in an early stage startup with a group of friends, let alone when you have vested interest and the corporate politics in a boardroom. So, you know, as you're selling this to big corporates, what are the signals you're looking for in that corporate? What are the criteria for that corporate sponsor? Uh, like the one who's actually going to be sponsoring the 150K and ultimately going, most likely going to be on the, on the board or at least supporting that venture. So first of all, we, we just don't jump into the venture building project. We have workshops that we offer before that. So we tend to know the team. We tend to know with whom we would be working, who is the decision maker, how many management layers we need to go through to convince to take certain decisions. Uh, the higher we can pitch, the higher we can get feedback straightforward. Uh, the better for us to decide, you know, if this project would actually work. Because what what we, you know, some of the cases that we had um, and the issues that we had was that we tend to say that we're going to innovate outside of corporate structure, which is much faster way because of the corporate management levels and stuff like that. But once we start doing it, we get stuck into the same corporate vehicle because each decision has to be made by a supervisor and supervisor of supervisor. And then it has to reach the CEO at some point, which is a very busy person. So uh, the feedback or decision making slows down and become we just become like another uh, business unit in the corporation. And this is exactly what we don't want to do. So one of the core thing is that we still need to negotiate the power to decide on, on the major decisions and, and find a way to get feedback as, as fast as possible from, from the corporate side. It also depends if we work with inside teams or we just build it outside as well. So there's a huge debate going on right now in the consulting industry and to a degree in the venture building industry about whether you can be sector agnostic in this space. So, you know, is having a methodology enough to add all the value and as a framework and as a facilitator and, and sort of with the core building blocks of venture building, or do you need to start adding domain-specific expertise to the process? So where do you guys sit on that? I, I, I would argue for both sides, you know, I would understand both sides, but as we, we tend to see that actually uh, it is quite a universal process. So we work with uh, food and beverage industry, we work with oil and gas, we work with real estate because the challenges and the things they want to sort, sort out could not be directly related to their core business as well. So they're uh, willing to expand opportunities and we just see that we better find the people who would help us with the domain expertise in certain uh, levels, but we still sell them the whole process of building a tech company or solution outside of the environment. And then it's up to us to recruit, to find the right people, to push it forward and to, to, to give us uh, um, the knowledge. And this is one of the reasons why we are also part of Knowledge Exchange, which is an innovation center here in Bangkok. So we collaborate with them as well. So we have access to university talent and, and research and also their network. So it's easy to get government support for certain of the projects. So we as venture builder, we try to be ready to sort, sort, sort out these issues. But I, I wouldn't say that we would not work with certain industry at this point. We, we would, of course, investigate we are capable, if we are capable to build a team, if we would be capable to find the partners to execute before we jump into it. But we would uh, definitely listen and, and try to find the ways to work. 
do you do you ever feel that your that this business is becoming easier to run? In other words, that you're pushing the business downhill, it gets gravity and just rolls, or do you feel that you are that as time progresses, you need to just keep pushing uphill? Knock, knock the wood, you know, knock, knock the wood. But I see that, um, you know. So if we're talking about whatnot specifically, is that uh, okay? Two years around two years. Of course, uh, first year was the struggle you know we we need to push up the hill because we need to build the case study specifically for what we provide with whatnot uh we had some networks we have some connections so we got the first contracts we start to work with first corporates you know but to convince to prove to get the budget is a very lengthy process suddenly uh this year covid happened and we had a month that everything stopped and we didn't know what's going to happen you know, we, we kept on improving our own operations, our, our own uh, uh, content, and, and just working on the tools that we have. And after that, we saw more and more interest from local corporates. So at this point, I'm, I could say that actually we start to see the light at the end of the tunnel as now it's not only us reaching out, but we get in touch by the corporates themselves trying to find solutions, trying to find venture building solutions, which is interesting as the term three years ago was something no one used, at least in, at least in Thailand. And now we hear venture building, venture building, venture building from a lot of different ways. Everyone understands it in a very different way as well. So, you know, we have to educate, we, we have to go and show the way we understand it. But now, as I said, we saw, we see more and more demand and what's good for us and what, uh, helps us to to kind of give motivation for our entrepreneurs and residents and, and, and our co-founding team is that our current clients are asking for more. So this is a good, good uh, proof of, of, of concept for us as well. You know, typical agency, you know, makes around what, 50 plus percent project margin. And as a company, maybe 25% net margin, depending on the situation that's on a good year. You can maybe stretch to thirty percent if you're if you have a very low cost base with talent arbitrage, and then and then but if you have a bad year, it could drop to ten percent. You need to keep a bit of cash reserve. So that is sort of the agency model. You know that is fairly well documented, but it's not very scalable. There's a natural range through which you can grow that. Compare that with a product studio or a, or a, or an equity play where it's exponential. If you're lucky, if you're not lucky, it dies. You know how do you think of your numbers because. If you take, let's say, 25% company margin, you know, how much percentage do you feel you're going to take off the top to then invest in your own side projects that you hope can scale? Or how much are you betting on the fact that your portfolio of corporate, uh, that 15% you were talking about in this, for the support team, will potentially create value? Like, So how do you think about your model? So, uh, you know, I think your, your assumptions are pretty right as a typical agency model. You know, it's 10 to 15% uh, is something that, that, that we would see right now. But um, as I said before as well, you know, we are trying to decide which direction to take because if agency model, uh, we would build the brand value, we would build the methodology and we would become more of a consulting training agency, which uh, lives from the fees and, and just helps to support our teams and, and, and growth of, of the company in, in this way. Talking about our own ventures, I don't know, it really depends, you know, uh, from the founders because we have a couple other ventures on the side. So we fundraise uh, for them outside of, of the structure as well. So we look at it as, as separate ventures as well. So we, we see whatnot as an agency and we build, uh, 
it as an agency we do consulting we do we work on fees you know so we are corporate venture builder that's why we position ourselves like that we build startup as a service so we serve we are service providers we help to find the talent we help to execute we are hired team are you seeing and that's that's a that's a tricky one that i've seen as well uh, in the industry do you give yourself like a certain minimum size for agency and afterwards it doesn't matter anymore and then it's you know it lives a life of its own and and then you won't push harder for growth because you can maximize your time on those ventures or do you want your agency to continue growing become a huge system so you have more and more freedom but then building that huge system takes more and more investment up front like how do you how do you view that of course we we see limitations of of the growth so you know we would probably look into the regional scale and finding local part- partners in each market and then seeing each market individually because some model might work better in Thailand which might not work in Singapore but of course it's building the brand value that is important for us so we want to be recognized as a venture builder and then each individual market could have its own uh, structure that would be built depending on who we would partner with So I would say that we would need to find uh, strong local partners with their own networks in uh, in those markets and it's probably more of like a creative agency scale you know where you bring in the methodology the the expertise and the talent the pool of clients that you've been working in certain market and then finding local partners who would help with their networks to introduce the methodology or or certain assets that we have So you mentioned a lot about entrepreneurs in residence. What are the the trades you're looking for in those entrepreneurs in residence, especially if you expect of them to run that new startup and they will have the majority of that startup if they meet the KPIs uh, in investing. So what are the the characteristics and what are the things, the heuristic rules that say, you know what, if they have this, we won't take them. That's a red flag. It, it might sound very stupid, and I, I'm not sure how corporates would react, but. If we click we click you know this is the key so uh, the person has to be someone that we feel confident in but that of course consists of, of many different things so first of all what how we promote we would like to get applications from the people who have track record of building their own ventures successful or unsuccessful it's the secondary thing but we want to have someone who has already tried and built their own venture failed or are are successful is as i said it's it, it's the secondary thing that's why it's called entrepreneur in residence usually if we get applications from corporate background people someone who've been working in the corporations it's uh, not a red flag but uh, we would investigate much more than someone who said you know what i've been working on three of my own startups nothing came out of it but I did the research. I've I've raised funds. I've convinced my family to give me like ten thousand dollars to start the business. This is what we're looking for. We need a hustler. We need someone who would be doing. We don't want only strategy. We want doers. We want someone who could say, you know what? I I decided to sell lemonade. I bought lemons. I cut the lemon and I sell the lemonade. It's also the university projects, you know, internships or something that people are proactive and and their assumptions and dreams, you know. So we we try to see uh, how do they see themselves in the next couple of years. What is their aspirations? What do they want to learn from this venture building process? Where do they need support? So how open are they? So we just want real people. The rest we can help them with. We want entrepreneur to be entrepreneur. So if they have if they need legal help we provide that if they need methodology and tools we provide that but we need someone who would say where should I get this I'm going to call someone I know someone 
or I'm going to do the research. Someone who's Googling during the conversation if they don't understand. Thank you for listening. If you found this discussion valuable and don't want to miss any future episodes, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, search for the VBMAP Podcasts and subscribe.